we do get a lot of community support. I think it's a very helpful drive just to have that, kind of, you know, folks like you and again, a lot of other folks that reach out saying, hey, how can we help? And we're like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like, just like even somebody just submitting like an email to their local elected official can like change an entire conversation. So, you know, that's why we're super stoked to, to do this work and it keeps us going. Hello, everyone. This is Ryan Wolt. Welcome to the Cheers North County podcast presented by the Coast News Group. Welcome to the show. Today's guest is Matthew Vasilakis. He is the co-director of policy at Climate Action Campaign in San Diego, and he happens to be a North County native having grown up in Oceanside, California. Matthew and I met for a virtual chat over a cup of Ironsmith coffee for me and a mug of tea for him. Climate is such a big, sometimes overwhelming concept, but he helps break down how the Climate Action Campaign is working to push forward regional climate policies, actionable efforts and attitudes, and we dig into their mission to stop the climate crisis through effective policy action. We also talk about the value and impact of local efforts, even the impact of a single individual, like you or me. Before we get into the show, I want to say a huge thank you and shout out the Cheers North County podcast sponsor, Casa de Bandini at the Forum in Carlsbad. Casa de Bandini makes excellent Mexican food, and they have an incredible selection of tequila. Go to casadebandini.com to see their full menu, which is available for pickup, delivery, and currently outdoor dining. That's casadebandini.com. The Coast News and Casa de Bandini have teamed up to give away $50 gift cards for some of their great food and equally delicious drinks. Just follow at Coast News on Instagram and then like, share, and tag your friends as soon as you see the Casa de Bandini giveaway post in your feed. And while you're listening to the show today, please take a moment to multitask and head online to follow all of the at Cheers North County social media accounts for updates. You can find at Cheers North County on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And head over to thecoastnews.com every week to read the newest Cheers North County column. And now, be sure to refill your cup of coffee because it's time for the show. Matthew, welcome to the Cheers North County podcast. I appreciate you being here. Any chance you got a cup of coffee or something over there? Uh, I have my tea, so quite happy. <laughs> I'm a peppermint tea guy myself. Nice. Peppermint's the best. So you work with the uh, Climate Action Campaign, and I'm hoping you could give uh, give our listeners a quick introduction to yourself and to the Climate Action Campaign organization, what you guys do. For sure. Yeah. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Matthew Vasilakis. I'm the co-director of policy at Climate Action Campaign. We're a nonprofit uh, watchdog organization based in San Diego and Orange Counties, with a simple mission <laughs> to stop the climate crisis through effective policy action. Yeah, super easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we every day is a every day is a fun challenge. So we work across uh, well in this county, you know, eighteen cities, uh, the county itself, and then Orange County is like thirty something. It's a kaleidoscope. <laughs> But we focus in on on various policy areas as they relate to uh, climate change and local action. And um, that can include electricity, transportation, building decarbonization, trees. We love trees, zero waste, lots of lots of fun policy areas. And, and so the drive for us is that really local action is what is going to solve climate change. You know, the federal and state government can nudge and be supportive in some important and effective ways, but really most of our emissions reductions are going to come from from local policymakers. And so we're here to give them the resources and tools and political uh, cover that they need to, to get the job done. 
It's uh, really interesting that you say that you use that comparison of local versus like state or even federal. I think we're really seeing that right now with the pandemic. Like the state can issue certain edicts about what we're allowed to do or what can be open and what's not, but it's really up to the local communities themselves to take that on and make that decision. Like we are going to go this route or another route and then enforce it or not enforce it or make decisions on how they're going to help people. Yeah, no, it's it's always interesting to see how things translate federal to state to local. And I mean, state laws can be very helpful in nudging cities to do the right thing. You know, you have to meet a plan, a requirement, you have to hit certain targets. But at the end of the day, like that implementation is solely within the hands of a local jurisdiction. And um, it's our job to to come in and, and make sure that they're doing those things. And thankfully, we have a lot of enthusiastic leaders and community folks who are, are working with us to, to, to get the job done. The pandemic has kind of shown us something that I think is very similar to climate change. So we're all experiencing this one thing together, which is that it doesn't stop at the border of your town or your county or your whatever. So what you do in San Diego proper is going to affect what happens to me up here in Carlsbad in in terms of climate change or the pandemic. How do you manage that? You know, do you do you really have to narrow down and say we're only going to focus on these areas or this region or how does your work impact all of those different areas? And I mean, it just seems like there would be an overwhelming number of stakeholders that are like wanting to have decision-making power, but all of their decisions are impacting their neighbors. Yeah, no, well, we work we work in every city, providing comment, feedback, sending in letters, giving public comment, lobbying elected officials, working with community organizations to advance important policies that can help mitigate and adapt our our, our communities to climate change. And we, we release an annual report card every year and it pretty much grades every jurisdiction on how they're doing on climate. How's Encinitas doing? How's you know El Cajon doing? And what we found after our last report or third report was that the region isn't on track to meeting our climate goals from state law. And from- we are. Okay. No, we're not. <laughs> we're not on track yet. We're not on track. And part of that problem is that there, there isn't much coordination between these various cities. Um, you know, you'll have some cities that, you know, for one reason or another, are, you know, they're there politically, they have the resources, they're able to act, you know, they can be bold and more have more innovation. And there are other cities that struggle because, um, you know, as we see with a lot of climate policy, there's, there are social and political and economic constraints. So, what we're trying to do at this point to kind of address that that real serious issue of having you know different jurisdictions at different levels of action is to put forward a state bill AB 11 that will create regional climate authorities across the state. So, like we have SANDAG to work on transportation issues and some land use questions. We're hoping to have a regional climate authority in place to get all of the cities to work in concert. Um, and to have an agency that can orchestrate these various communities so that, you know, we're not leaving anyone behind and we're having a thoughtful conversation as a region about how best to, to tackle the climate crisis. Sandeg is is such a big organization and I do a lot of reading and, and reporting about them. And there are honestly times where I think to myself, they're kind of like Spectre in the Bond movies. They're just so big and I don't really understand what anyone is doing. They're not mm-hmm. the bad guy, but I don't know that they're the good guy either. There's just there's so many moving parts. What you guys do, one thing I noticed on your website is you try to break you try to break climate change down into some more identifiable goals. You have your kind of five focused efforts listed right at the top of your your website. 100% clean energy, bikeable, walkable neighborhoods, world class transit, shade trees, and all electric homes. 
It sounds like you're doing much more, but that's kind of a nice focused way for people to identify with it. One issue I think that climate change has al- always had is is branding. It's so big. It's so abstract. It's hard for me as an individual to see the primary problem on a global scale because I'm dealing with my own day-to-day problems. Yep. How do you guys keep a finger on the, the pulse of what people are feeling about climate change? I mean, you're working in a lot of policy. You're working in a lot of areas. I would imagine it's almost the opposite for you where you're so into it that you see it everywhere. How do you bridge that gap between like the normal person on the street and then the work that you're doing? Yeah, no, I, that's an important question. I think part of what we really strive to do is, you know, we need to talk about climate change so we can elevate the issue, obviously, you know, talk about why it's important for us to reduce emissions, how we can better protect our communities from the climate crisis. I think the other thing that we really excel at and we try to do consistently across all of our various campaigns is to talk about how these types of policy solutions will also improve people's lives. So it's not just about, you know, stopping this very huge global abstract thing that people kind of see as a slow motion disaster, um, but also about improving people's quality of life and giving them options and choices for new ways of living that can, again, really boost uh, an individual and a family's ability to live in our region. So to give an example, we championed a program called Community Choice Energy, which is a nonprofit governmental program that allows communities to decide what kinds of energy they have or what they're delivering to, to businesses and families and at what rate. So it's really taking over the electrical contract side, what they call procurement, um, and giving that opportunity for the community to provide an alternative option to the the, the corporate monopoly utility that model that we've had for well, forever. So we're very thankful that we've won that campaign. Or, you know, and there's lot there's lots of work to do on that front still, just as there are a number of policy areas. But um, San Diego Community Power and Clean Energy Alliance are the two programs that are launching this year in our region. Eight cities are going to be moving forward with community choice. And then the translation there in terms of the improvement of people's lives is that you're going to have a competitive or more affordable electricity option with higher rates of renewables. So you're getting their greenhouse gas reductions while also seeing a savings in your wallet every month. And that really helps, especially in a region like ours, where it's so expensive to live, our cost of living is ridiculous. So we try to take these policies and really make it clear that yes, you know, our, you know, we're coming at this from a, from a climate angle, um, but at the same time, you know, we're clearly laying out the argument for why these policies are so important to improving people's lives. Sure, it's the day-to-day, they're gonna feel it in their day-to-day life, whether they are saving money on their electric bill or they're in a community they feel safe walking around in. I think it's an important thing. Like I, I feel like I work very hard to try to be pro-climate, proactive, and yet I still find myself getting bogged down in details or you know frustrated that it doesn't seem like my daily actions of say recycling or making sure I'm shopping local instead of you know Amazon when I can. I don't necessarily see the impacts of those, and so it helps to have it helps to have somebody kind of say, "Hey, this, these are all the things. This is what's happening." What about you? How did you come to this? project as a person? Like, why does this matter to you? How did you end up getting involved with Climate Action uh, Campaign? You know, where did you come from in, in this in this story? Yeah, I've got a bit of an untraditional route. I don't come from a, a sustainability background. I had gone to, I'm actually from North County. I'm from Oceanside. So uh, went to Miracosta Community College, transferred to SDSU, had gotten my degrees in history, wanted to teach community college. And at some point I had ended up getting a job doing um, some consulting 
on LGBTQ community education. So just like helping companies and institutions understand the LGBTQ community. And through that process, I met a lot of local just folks who work in politics and policy. And I got into a local leadership development program called the San Diego Leadership Alliance. And I uh, they, they do a series of kind of seminars and presentations. And my now boss, uh, Nicole Capritz, who is our founder and executive director at Climate Action Campaign, she gave a presentation. She was talking about land use and sprawl and transportation and things that I've been super, super into on the local Twitter scene. And I just gave her my card and I was like, I would love to get coffee with you sometime and just kind of learn about like what you're doing and all the work that's going on. Because I care about climate, but like, again, it's such a big thing, you know, zoning, you know, zooming into it can be kind of difficult. But uh, needless to say, eventually I ended up getting, I landed a job working with her and it's been a wild and amazing ride ever since. Because <laughs> uh, climate, again, climate policy is like a hundred rabbit holes. And, you know, there are so many things that we need to do to transform our system to reach a zero carbon future that we really need to be working at all angles. And, you know, we're trying climate action campaign, we're trying as hard as we can. And we have amazing partners, amazing elected officials, folks like you who care about this issue and want to elevate it. And, um, you know, we're getting there. It's just, you know, it's just a, it, we've, it's, it's pushing a boulder up a hill and we, we've got to get everyone behind the boulder. I feel like everyone feels about policy, except for a very small group of people like you and your, your organization, the way I felt about math in high school. Like, I can see it on the page, but I don't necessarily know what's happening. I know the end result is important, but I don't know how to get there. And I think people can get frustrated by that policy. I think it's why it's important that we have groups that can condense that information down and say, this is really what this means. It's a whole lot of words that means these kind of ideas, these concepts that we can all latch onto and and take into our personal life. Mm -hmm. Uh, You just mentioned zero carbon future, which is like a kind of a cool buzzy term but what does that even mean what does that mean does that just mean that we're not using oil and gas anymore does that mean that we're not driving cars anymore what does zero carbon future mean zero carbon means that we're not emitting any more greenhouse gases into the atmosphere that are contributing to our exasperating our our climate our climate change and so that really i mean zero carbon is a wholesale remaking of our of our economy away from dirty fossil fuels and towards renewable, uh, clean electricity. That translates into some very important policy discussions around, you know, how are we going to achieve 100% clean energy for our electricity? So that if you're, you know, driving an electric car, you know that the electricity that is charging your car is from solar and wind and other clean sources. How are we going to start to wind down the very dangerous methane gas infrastructure that we have being piped across our neighborhoods and into our homes and businesses, um, which, again, not only is methane gas like 10 times more potent than carbon dioxide in terms of causing climate change, but it's also a very dangerous indoor air pollutant that increases the rates of asthma in children and the elderly. And so we've really got to start thinking about how we can pull this infrastructure out of our homes and businesses and changing and transforming ourselves into this zero carbon economy and and improving our quality of life along the way. Thankfully, we have strong leadership in our region right now. I think the election really helped bring usher in a, a group of new leaders who understand that, you know, climate is not only 
an existential threat, but it's it's a, a, a political reality and something that constituents are, are really pushing elected officials to address. So the county recently set forth with developing a zero carbon climate action plan. The goal would be to have the county have be at zero carbon by 2035, which is 10 years ahead of where the state is in terms of its planning. San Diego is working on CAP 2.0, and we're excited that Mayor Todd Gloria has also committed to developing a zero carbon cap. Um, and there are a number of other cities in the region that are headed in the right direction. The question is, like, there's a ton of different political, uh, a lot of work. <laughs> a lot of work to do. <laughs> and I just want to clarify, if anyone's listening, when you say cap, you mean climate action plan, right? Yes, climate, sorry. Yeah, that's a shorthand. Um, climate action plan. That's something I learned getting ready for this interview. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. A cap, it's a fun way to say it. Yep, yep. No, it's a... Uh, my my life is a, a series of acronyms. So. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about a lot of things that sound optimistic. We've got kind of some new leadership. We have some plans in place to achieve this. You also said that it's a little bit like rolling a boulder up a hill. We keep being made aware of things that seem to be pointing towards catastrophic climate change in the news we had a glacier explode in India this week. Uh, there's crazy storms all over that we're being told as part of Arctic you know, weather patterns that are different for the first time in, in recorded history. When you're fighting for this and you're in it every day, how do you avoid getting depressed about it and just going about your, your life going, yeah, no, this is the right step forward? Or I don't want to assume that you don't. I, I mean, I think that it's easy for me to get and I, depressed about, say, climate change on a, on a smaller scale, and I'm not even dealing with it every day the way that you are. Yeah, no, I um, I think climate anxiety, uh, a term that I've heard used, is is real. It can it can definitely impact. I think especially for generations that are coming of age right now, Gen Z and younger, like the thought of not having a livable planet, like that's I mean that's insane, right? I mean just the thought that like that is that is where we're headed. And so you know to work day to day in this space is to to really challenge yourself not only in terms of having to work in politics, <laughs> but just to kind of have to swallow that pill every morning and being like, all right, this is where we're at. This is the work that we need to do. But I think a driving force for me, and I think for a lot of folks on our team, is just like the work has to get done. Like if we're going to save the people in places that we love. So you have that drive and motivation. There's a clear mission. You know your objectives and your targets, and then you go out there and execute. And sometimes you win, and a lot of times you don't. <laughs> <laughs> But for every brick that you put uh, down, the, the foundation gets stronger. So I think what's really cool about right now is that we are at this inflection point where I think folks are, are starting to see, and by folks, I mean more folks in the general public and folks out in the community and elected leaders are taking this more seriously, just as the climate science is saying, you need to accelerate like all action on all fronts. And so that convergence, I think, is going to be very helpful in the coming years. The question is, you know, are we going to have the political uh, will to, to push everything forward? And that's where we come in. And that's where folks in the community uh, come in. And, you know, it's just an ongoing, ongoing battle. One thing that I've always thought personally is that doing things that are, are good for the environment politically or on a bigger scale and even individually is also a smart business move. And I think that's something that I've I've found in my own life, but I think that's an idea that is becoming more and more widespread. And one thing I wish there was more attention brought to, I wish there, you know, when we talk about the the economic impacts of climate change and how that affects our communities and our business, and right now we're, we're all kind of 
watching the news every day, learning about what the stimulus may or may not be and, and what these different economic packages are. But the, the economic cost of climate change is extremely large. And I think that's something that if we could really draw attention to where we're, we're showing people that, no, it's actually good for business. It's, it's more profitable in the long term and less of a short term immediate goal, like to take this seriously and to make decisions based on that. You know, how much money could we save if we weren't dealing with these problems and what other services could we be offering if we weren't dealing with the economic fallout of, say, a hurricane or wildfire or so on? Yeah, no, it's it's um, I've, I've read a number of reports that outline the uh, significant amount of savings that the federal, state and local governments can achieve if they start to mitigate and adapt to climate change rather than just letting these disasters roll in wave after wave. I mean, I think 2020 was definitely an exceptional year on a number of fronts, um, but on a climate front, like just the wildfires in California alone, like 10,000 individual fires, 4 million acres. Like how do we, how do we, how do we live with that reality for the rest of our lives? <laughs> the state's just going to keep burning. But there are sound policy prescriptions to this. And, you know, that includes first and foremost, achieving a zero carbon future so that we can start getting our climate stabilized and then doing things, uh, you know, appropriate for not only just, you know, keeping people out of wildfire danger zones by stopping the proliferation of sprawl. You know, we, we shouldn't be building homes in the backcountry the way that we have been. Uh, it's just a recipe for a disaster. At the same time, we should be investing in more homes in existing communities near transit so that folks have choices in their mobility options. If they want to drive an electric vehicle, that's great. Take an e-bike. What a wonderful opportunity. Or, hey, let's take transit. Like, have real choices because right now we don't. And of course, respecting nature, ensuring that we have clean air and clean water for everyone, and centering all these programs and policies through a lens of social equity. So we have to really, really understand that as we try to, you know, mitigate and adapt to climate change, that the communities that are most vulnerable, that are going to be hit first and worst, and who are contributing least to the climate crisis, deserve the investments and protections uh, to keep them safe. Because uh, I'm sure a lot of folks, you know, along the coast can adapt their homes and cut themselves off the grid and take care of themselves. But, you know, that just exasperates income inequality and the, you know, economic and social and racial injustices that we have existing today. And we really need to figure out uh, and reprioritize um, in a way that is more equitable and sustainable for everyone. It, and it really does impact the day-to-day. -day. My wife and I discussed potentially buying a home at some point, at <laughs> some day. But one of those questions that we had to ask ourselves was, are the communities we can afford to even look at are in more danger of wildfire? You know, is there different insurance costs? What are, what are the impacts if we were to go solar? And, and all these little things that where we've sort of normalized, we're starting to normalize things. And I think that we need to keep that attention on saying, hey, it doesn't have to be this way, mm -hmm. which is something that you guys are doing. For someone listening that's kind of getting pumped up about both the climate right now, they're inspired to help push forward the mission of Climate Action Campaign, which just for everyone, I'm going to read the mission statement, which is to stop the climate crisis through effective policy action. How can they help volunteer, donate? Can they be involved? I mean, what what do you recommend for people to have uh, an effective way for them to, to have an impact? Yeah, no, I think the first first step would be to check out our website because <laughs> uh, they're like, I had mentioned earlier, there's a, there are a lot of different areas. And so, you know, if you're someone who's like super into, you know, clean energy and want to understand, like, how do we advance that future? Check out our webpage on that. If it's transportation or trees or zero waste or whatever it is, just 
take a look, scroll through, and um, know that you know in some way we are aware <laughs> of what may be happening in in your your community, maybe even in your neighborhood. Who is organizing in that space? What are the opportunities to advance? Like if if you're looking for plastics reduction, well, right now, like. Let's get you to Vista and San Marcos where they're looking at measures like that. If it's updating climate action plans so that they have zero carbon targets, let's ship you over to Escondido or over to Encinitas or down to Chula Vista. If it's building electrification, like I've got a, I've got a list. <laughs> I got a list for everything. And you know, feel free to reach out to us and coordinate. And of course we work in partnership with like a constellation of organizations, you know, environmental labor business groups, various entities. So, you know, if 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 there's a specific fit, we can find the fit. And of course, you know, contributions always help. <laughs> we rely on on the community to help support our work. And um, we're very honored to have that trust from a lot of folks. And so um, every dollar goes a long way <laughs> to, to securing um, not only the work that we do, but our, our region's um, future. Absolutely. You, you just mentioned that you work with a bunch of different groups. I think I was reading that you are this concept of a San Diego new Green New Deal, and you're linked with like 50 or more different organizations locally. So yep. there is a network of people out there that are that are focused on this. And, and that's something that I take, that I think it, I think is uplifting is that when people are on the other side and they're feeling climate anxiety, or they are looking into this and thinking it's too big to know that they're not alone. There are other people that are looking at this too and saying, man, this is daunting, but how can we move forward? Yep. I certainly appreciate that. Matthew, what did I miss? What should I have asked that I didn't? Or is there anything else about climate action campaign that we should uh, let people in North County know about? I think what's something you just hit upon right now, which is the San Diego Green New Deal Alliance. It's a community-based coalition of, again, business, environmental, labor, faith, just a, again, a constellation of organizations. And that body is super rooted in in the community. And we're always looking for folks to climb aboard the ship and be representatives of the areas that they're in to give us insights. Because, you know, with our policy prescriptions that we put forward to elected officials, to local governments, we vet through the community. And so we will take something and say, hey, is this a good idea? Go out to folks that you know are going to be impacted by the policy, ask them for their input because they know their communities best. And then we bring that back and push it forward. So having folks at the Green New Deal table to help flesh these things out and to, again, center uh, social, economic and racial equity would be very great. So <laughs> check out our website, but also check out the San Diego Green New Deal Alliance because we, again, we need folks everywhere. Right. I have to ask this, the because it's called the San Diego Green New Deal Alliance, has there been any pushback to just the politicization of that term Green New Deal? Oh, yeah. I mean, people, <laughs> I think people, people definitely have strong opinions about what that means. And, you know, there's a spectrum of folks, you know, you, you've got the, the hardcore folks on the left are like, yes, this is the way we're going to go. You got folks in the middle, they're like, well, we like aspects, but, you know, let's just see if we can tinker on the edges. And then, of course, the stalwarts on the far end. But I will say for the folks that are the stalwarts on the far end who are in direct opposition, like we don't need to, I mean, let's have a conversation, but let's not also not waste our time. And I will say that as a region, there is a strong recognition that we need to do something big and bold. Uh, and also, thankfully, we're in the state of California where there is that that drive, at least. So I think we've had nothing but a positive reception to the San Diego Green New Deal Alliance. It's been super awesome to see folks be active and participate. And, and it's gotten some real legs. I mean, we've gotten 
we had a super successful launch on that front. And uh, mayor, when he was mayor-elect, uh, or when he was campaigning for mayor, uh, Gloria included the Green New Deal in his economic recovery plan. So, so it's there. The political will, there's some political will there, but we got we got to keep pushing. <laughs> got to keep pushing. And I think he mentioned it in his like State of the Union type of address that he did when he took office. Well, Matthew, I really appreciate you spending some time to talk about what feels like a very big issue that is impacting all of us, but also. I, I just want to say thank you for the work that you guys are doing. Of course. Thank you. I know I appreciate this time and this opportunity to share and the work that you're doing, um, special and local journalism that is so critical to our work in terms of being able to share information. I tell everyone I am not a journalist. I deal in opinions and interviews. And my hope is that I can share different interesting people doing interesting things. But we have real journalists that work for the Coast News and they should get all the credit. I'm just an English major with a, with a microphone. Well, we super appreciate it. <laughs> It was really nice to meet you, and uh, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much. You have a wonderful day. A big cheers to Matthew for being here today. The Climate Action Campaign is doing a ton of work towards improving the quality of life for all of us throughout the San Diego region. And they do a great job of breaking down all of the details at climateactioncampaign.org. There is a lot of information there, including details on how you can get involved or support their efforts. Once again, that's climateactioncampaign.org. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Cheers North County podcast. I'll be back in a few weeks with an interview with Ryan Brown from the quickly growing athletic brewing company that specializes in flavorful non-alcoholic beers, which is one of the quickest growing categories in the industry. That's all for today's episode. Thank you for listening and joining me once again. Don't forget to read the Cheers North County column on thecoastnews.com and to follow at Coast News on Instagram so you can win one of those Casa de Bandini gift cards and get yourself some fine food and drink. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving a rating and review, preferably if you've enjoyed the show. It really helps people find a local show like this one, or you can help by spreading the word on your own social medias. Be sure to tag at Cheers North County and the Coast News Group. This episode of the Cheers North County podcast was produced and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. Jordan Ingram is my editor-in-chief. The Coast News associate publisher is Chris Kidd, and the publisher is Jim Kidd. Thank you for listening, everyone. Be well, stay healthy and sane, and keep living the dream. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>